Hello and welcome to another episode of Coping with COVID-19. My, my name is Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Today we go behind the headlines with two of OBJ's editors. The goal is to update our audience with some of the top stories of the past few days. Uh, let's introduce our editors now. First off, we've got Peter Cavesi, OBJ's head of content. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Mike. And uh, next, we've got David Sally, who's leading up a lot of our uh, daily live reporting. Hello, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Mike. Thanks. So we've got uh, a bunch of stories to get through. Uh, let's get right into this. Um, Dave, uh, or excuse me, Peter, we're going to start with you. Um, today, uh, some unemployment stats came out. Uh, do you want to give us an update on what the unemployment situation is looking uh, like in Ottawa, Peter? So on Friday, Statistics Canada released its uh, latest labor force numbers, and uh, the significance of it is it really gave us a bit more of a sharper picture as to the uh, the, the fallout of all the measures that have been put into place uh, to help uh, contain the, the spread of COVID-19. So the headline figures that um, Ottawa Gatineau's unemployment rate rose to 6.9%. And just to put that into a little bit of context, at the beginning of the year, back when our economy was firing on all cylinders, the unemployment rate was down at 4.3%. Um, so, so far, we've seen in two months um, that uh, some 46,000 jobs have been lost just here in the National Capital Region uh, alone. A um, couple key takeaways, of course, you know, some sectors are being hit harder than others. Uh, no surprise, it's that the retail as well as the, uh, the hospitality sector, accommodations and food services, that is the, uh, the hardest hit. Um, what I found kind of interesting, though, is that even though the scale, of course, of all these um, of uh, of what's happening right now is really, really unprecedented um, in, by historic levels, you only have to go back about four years. So back when you know the federal government was really in uh, belt tightening mode to sort of see the unemployment rate and employment levels um, where where they are today. So. Um, Certainly, uh, the national capital region is still in better shape than a lot of other parts uh, of the uh, of the country. But uh, I don't think that we've sort of seen the full uh, impact of uh, of all the uh, the business closures and uh, and uh, and cutbacks yet show up in these stats. There's always some question, I think, Peter, as to how quickly unemployment stats will um, will jump on to or will be reflected in some of the monthly reports. So is that possibly the case? Like when I hear 6.9%, I'm thinking, well, that doesn't even come close to reflecting the true rate of unemployment right now. So you're absolutely correct. So I think that's a really, really important caveat is that uh, just because of the, the relatively small sample size, uh, we Statistics Canada, when they do present those monthly uh, unemployment numbers, uh, not to get too technical, but they do use a, a three-month rolling average. So that means that that still uh, factors in um, figures from uh, from February in the first half of March, of course, when the economy was uh, still firing on, uh, on all cylinders. And um, as well, something we're hearing um, a lot as uh, as people pour over the uh, the, the unemployment numbers uh, across the country is just how many uh, of those people who do still uh, have a job are either working, you know, reduced hours or um, are on potentially temporary layoff or just uh, collecting um, part of their, uh, their their salary. So, so you're absolutely correct. Um, I think it does mask a, a lot of um, hardships that are being felt uh, throughout the labor force. 
Okay, Dave, I want to move to you now. Um, Shopify is often thought of as the flagship company, certainly when it comes to the technology sector in Ottawa. And they had some quarterly earnings. Um, Give us an update on what uh, Shopify looked like this week. Well, uh, things, um, all things considered with the state of the economy, uh, things are looking very good for Shopify. Uh, in fact, they, um, it, it cracked a milestone this week. The, the shares went over $1,000 uh, for the first time in the company's history. Um, and in fact, briefly, Shopify was the, uh, the country's most valuable company by market cap. Uh, it, it briefly edged past RBC, uh, um, late Wednesday. Um, since then, its shares have dropped a bit, and RBC has, has overtaken it again. But yeah, that just goes to show. I mean, it it had a forty seven percent jump year over year in first quarter revenues uh, for the first um, first three months of twenty twenty compared with last year. Uh, so four hundred seventy million dollars in revenues. Um, compared with 320 million US last year. And interesting, I I found a couple of interesting things on the the, uh, call with analysts. I thought uh, Harley Finkelstein, the chief operating officer, had some really cool things to say about how companies that, you know, at one time didn't used to really even consider e-commerce or uh, certainly on a business to consumer basis are now jumping on board. So uh, just in the last last month, Heinz and uh, chocolate maker Lint have opened up Shopify Plus accounts. Those are two companies that never would have even considered that in the past, shelling directly to consumers online. So as Arlie said, this pandemic is forcing all kinds of merchants to rethink how they sell things. And, um, and you're seeing that, the growth in, uh, in new accounts uh, on the Shopify platform six, um, grew 62%. Uh, between March 30th and April 24th compared with the previous six-week period. So you're just seeing this shift to online commerce really accelerate. And uh, and Shopify, doing what it does, is really poised to capitalize on that. All right. So we're just talking about uh, e-commerce. Let's, let's uh, shift into the physical world of commerce, Peter. And OBJ had a really interesting story that had a lot of uh, reads on our website about the post-pandemic future of local shopping malls. So as we we're just talking about the retail sector, of course, has been one of the uh, the industries that's been hardest hit by uh, by COVID-19. So our story, you know, for me, there were two key uh, sort of key takeaways is that, uh, first off, we got a bit of a picture as to how uh, the landlords behind um, major malls across Canada are faring. So for the regional malls, so those would be uh, malls that fall into the category like the Rideau Centre, Bayshore, St. Laurent, across the country, landlords are reporting between 20 and 25% of tenants um, have not uh, not paid their rent since the pandemic started. Uh, for the community malls, so something a bit of a, a step down, the number climbs to 50%. And that's really significant because a lot of those community malls, even before the pandemic, were already struggling to attract uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of foot traffic uh, as they face more competition from online shopping, as well as the, uh, the major uh, regional shopping centers that, uh, that uh, were were um, drawing more of the uh, the, the shoppers. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that uh, we did speak to uh, to a couple of local retail analysts who really emphasized the need that um, as we start to pull out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic for the need for 
for um, mall owners to, to really reinvent uh, their uh, their offerings. Um, this is especially significant since in recent years, some of the big uh, you know um, attractions in malls have been things like restaurants, fitness centers. Um, really those sorts of um, uh, offerings that uh, are going to be potentially a bit of a tough sell um, uh, as we uh, as we do still uh, have a bit of physical distancing. So some of the uh, the ideas that were sort of floated are things like like concerts, uh, um, new attractions uh, that are uh, basically going to have something a little bit special like, like that uh, essentially are going to make people feel uh, excited and comfortable with the idea of going out to a, to a shopping mall again. Well, David, listen, why don't we go to our final topic and and, uh, pivot a little bit towards the tourism industry here. Um, We know that is among, besides retail, uh, tourism has been devastated. Uh, I think you've reported, Dave, that about half the city's hotels are are fully closed and many others are, uh, are suffering greatly. So let's talk about one of the iconic hotels in Ottawa. You had some news on the Chateau Laurier this week. Yes, exactly, Mike. So as you said, about half the region's hotels uh, have shut their doors since the pandemic began. I mean, there's just no traffic, no tourism traffic, no no convention traffic. Um, so that's really hit the industry hard. I mean, uh, like 80% of the um, of the hospitality industries and the, and the hotel. But uh, one of those hotels is uh, has announced it will be coming back and it's the Chateau Laurier. And they've quite, they've chosen a very fitting day to come back, uh, considering what an iconic symbol of the nation's capital, the Chateau Laurier is, it only makes sense that they would decide to reopen on Canada Day. Um, I spoke to GM uh, Rick Corcoran earlier this week. He said they did toss around a few other dates uh, in June, but ultimately they decided, hey, why not, uh, why not open up? And as, as he said, as a kind of tribute to Canada and their way to celebrate uh, Canada Day um, along with their guests. Now, of course, reopening in the COVID era um, doesn't come without its challenges. Um, uh, Corcoran said uh, the hotel's management is going to be uh, maniacally almost, as he put it, devoted to making sure that the, that the property is safe for employees and guests alike. So there's a number of procedures they're going to be implementing to ensure that. Just stepping up overall cleaning and sanitizing, things like reconfiguring the furniture in the lobby to make sure there's adequate social distancing, uh, physical distancing. Um, things like the uh, really common, uh, commonly used facilities uh, that are in more confined quarters like the gym and swimming pool, they'll be open probably later and only by appointment at the beginning as a way of limiting contact between guests um rooms there's going to be a 48-hour buffer between check-in and check-out uh frequently touched objects like coffee makers are going to be taken out of the suites um there will be fewer towels and pillows in each suite and uh, rooms will only be cleaned uh upon request of the guests to make to limit the, the number of people entering uh entering the suites um so you just uh, see it's it's just uh it, it just goes to show um just how impacted the industry really is. Um, but at the same time, um, Corcoran told me he, he's not too worried about people coming back. He thinks Ottawa is well positioned to, to you know, kind of have a resurgence of domestic tourism business pretty soon. 
Um, so, and he's not worried about whether guests will feel comfortable staying in the hotel. He said, that's not what, what's keeping him up at night. He said, what is, is the global economic recovery and how soon guests from other countries will feel comfortable traveling again um, and when that convention business will really return. Yeah, we can uh, we can hope, Dave, that um, that domestic, you know, that rubber road uh, type tourism travel. So, you know, Ottawa does tend to be a bit of a destination for people, from people from Montreal or Toronto uh, and uh, and beyond. So hopefully we see those and it helps local hotels. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. But before we do, Peter, I want you to talk about uh, two projects we have ongoing at uh, OBJ. One is a, um, a new email newsletter and special report that's going out today. Tell us about that. So today we launched uh, the spring edition of OBJ's HR update. Uh, obviously this is a very, very unique time for um, all industries, but uh, the HR industry as well is facing a whole bunch of uh, previously unthinkable questions, especially as we look towards reopening uh, the economy and reopening uh, offices. Is it reasonable, practical, or even allowable to take employees' temperatures as they come to the office? Um, will employees be wearing masks in the office? What happens when um, an employee might be afraid to come to work because they're um, uh, fearful about bringing um, a, um, um, a virus home to a, uh, an elderly uh, family member? So these, that's the lead story in an HR update. But of course, uh, there's all sorts of um, new stories affecting um, the HR industry. And the other um, new okay. uh, new feature that we launched uh, this month is uh, a new philanthropy column. Um, this is a, again another sector that's been uh, quite impacted by uh, by COVID nineteen. So uh, with uh, with well known journalist uh, uh, Ottawa journalist Sam Laprade, uh, we've started uh, shining a spotlight on uh, major gifts uh, in our community and the impact uh, that they make. Well, thanks, Peter. Um, listen, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks to both of you for doing such a great job in uh, leading our editorial coverage over the past few days and months. Uh, please stay tuned for more episodes of Coping with COVID-19. You can visit us, of course, at obj.ca. Uh, you can check this out on our YouTube channel. Uh, in fact, if you do that, please, uh, please subscribe uh, to get notifications about when we're live. And, uh, of course, uh, look to our, us on uh, social media. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Mike Curran signing off for Dave and Peter Cavesi. Keep on watching uh, for more news.